Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. I am Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. You've heard the saying, healthy, wealthy, and wise. I heard this from my mom constantly growing up. Didn't mean much, really. I didn't know why that saying meant anything. Just like when she said to me, without your health, nothing else matters. Didn't understand that either, as I was chomping down my third hamburger and second order of fries. I understand it now, of course, and I'm sure you do too. But what's interesting is so many people I speak to, they understand those words, but they just don't live by them. They really don't take them to heart until sometimes it's too late. And in many cases, when they do, there's no turning back the clock, right? We can't go back in time and change the past. So today, I have Scott Sage, president of Sage Financial Innovations, here to help us think a little differently when it comes to wealth strategies. So don't go away. I'll be right back. It's time for my commercial. A chief marketing officer has both the power and the responsibility to drive long-term strategic growth that can ultimately lead to organizational prosperity. And that growth starts with a vision. What is your firm's definition of success? Growth? How will you strategically work towards expansion, for example? Equally important, what is your customer's perception of your firm? And how well do you meet a need or deliver value? When you begin to align your vision with that of your customer, you build a stronger, lasting relationship with them. You see the whole picture, realizing the lifetime value of that customer, as well as the lifetime value you provide. A CMO must look at success with a strategic mindset, looking beyond the transactional. The CMO must understand the customer journey, utilizing the competitive intelligence, embracing and leveraging your unique market insights. If your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a fractional CMO. Visit theponzagroup.com to learn more. As I mentioned, I have Scott Sage, president of Sage Financial Innovations, to help us think a little differently when it comes to wealth strategies. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you, Angelo, for having me. I really appreciate uh, your uh, touching base with me and having me on the program. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, this is an interesting topic. It should be a topic on everybody's mind, but I know sometimes it isn't. And a lot of times uh, I'm sure you deal with folks that maybe waited too long to start having these conversations with you. Um, but kind of the put things in context to my audience. And so we have a perspective of who you are and what you do. Why don't you spend a few minutes and tell them who you are? Sure, Angelo. Well, I appreciate that. And I guess to sum things up, you know, I've had a a wonderful career and and a life in working with uh, business owners and entrepreneurs and helping them kind of navigate through life from the business standpoint. And I'm just very grateful that over the last 25 years of working with business owners that I've been able to witness what they've done right, witness what they've done wrong or had challenges with. And it's just been an incredible ride in watching them uh, build businesses and from the beginning to the middle stages to the to the final stage of selling their business or transferring their business to, to children. But or, or, to, or selling their business. But the, the most incredible thing, I guess, is just uh, the gratitude I have for the business owner on how hard they work and their commitment to uh, their employees and, and to their passion. So that's a little bit about my business side. Is that what you were looking for? Yeah, well, um, yes, I think that that's good. And again, put things in context for people. And we're going to explore more detail as we kind of go along in the conversation. But you're a business owner, yes, right? You help business owners, but you are a business owner. So I, I like to ask this question of all my guests. So what keeps you up at night when you think about growing your business? I guess the biggest thing that keeps me up at night is really um, concern over uh, some of my business owners in terms of what they might be doing for planning or some of the challenges that they have. 
And uh, that's kind of what keeps me up at night or makes me think about things. I just continue to reiterate that in my mind and try to find solutions for them or partners or people that can help them. And those are kind of the things that, that dwell in my mind. Okay. You know, it, it, I've talked to a lot of uh, strategists, wealth strategists, planners over the years, and, and there's been varying degrees of, I'll say, involvement. Um, in, in, and in talking to you and learning about you as we've gotten to know each other over the past year, I mean, I think I see you kind of on the involvement side. I mean, you, you're just not doing a plan and disappearing and, you know, offering some advice and disappearing. I mean, you're involved, I won't say daily, but you're involved intimately with your, with your clients. I mean, is, I think that's what it takes, right? Well, um, I think that is what it takes, but more importantly, I, I find that that's what moves my meter is developing relationships with these people. I've got clients that I've worked with for the last 25 years that I started with them and they had little or nothing and, and they built a, a business or a practice. And I've got other clients that um, uh, are just uh, having a great business and they've had struggles and they've had challenges and we work through that. And I think that's where you really develop the relationships with people with sticking with them. And my background from coming from, you know, the Midwest and a small town has always been to be there for people and in being there for people, you build the relationships. And the, the, the other thing that moves my meter is that when you develop these relationships with people, they become friends. And um, I, that's what I enjoy is, is the relationship side and, and helping people. And I think that uh, individuals uh, like that. Mm -hmm. well, I would imagine after 25 years, you've actually got to see some, some of your clients' children grow up and go to college. And I mean, you know, it's like a family member. You're not God, Godfather to any of them, are you? I'm not, but, uh, uh, but interestingly enough, where I'm doing some traveling with one of my clients, uh, this summer and, and, and I've traveled with many of my clients and, you know, I'm going to a 70th birthday party for one of my clients this weekend. So it's, it's, it's like family. Yeah. Well, I would imagine it would be, I mean, in, in working with them and, and making sure that, you know, they're set for retirement and, you know, managing their business and, and doing all that. I mean, it's like I said, it's not something you can do from afar. I mean, it really is about intimacy and understanding and, and, and how that, how you navigate that. How many times, I mean, when, when I think about, you know, ultimately getting to an exit strategy and, and I've had one, but I certainly wasn't old enough to retire, but I mean, how many times are this kind of businesses being passed to their kids versus being sold outright is the kind of your clients you deal with? Well, well, it's interesting because probably the last 20 years, we've been specializing in the exit strategy space. And 20 years ago, businesses seemed to be getting sold. Um, but when you're working with a smaller or mid-sized business with family members in it, it's challenging, especially depending on the industry, if it's construction or manufacturing. Um, sometimes it's hard to prep those businesses for sale or put a team together so that, that, um, that they can be ready to go to market. Um, so we've developed a team to do that. But to answer your question, um, I've had several companies sell their businesses. I've had several companies transition their business through to their children over time. But what I find most interesting is the word retire with most of my business owners. It, it's a, I use a different word. I use the word rewire because this has been their passion and this has been their life and they enjoy the, the momentum it gets them. It, they enjoy the relationship with the employees and with their vendors and enjoy working in the business. So many of them, uh, even we, we used to say, oh, at 60 or 59 and a half, you're going to retire. That's just not the norm from what I see out there. Uh, there's only so much golf you can play, so much fishing you can do. And these business owners' minds are working quite well and they enjoy it. So I, I kind of use the word rewire. And what many business owners are doing is just setting up the business so that it can run a little bit more efficiently with the family members in it or with key executives in it and, and maintaining that relationship in the business. 
Okay. I like the I like rewire because really it's about changing behavior. If you've worked for whatever 40, 50 years and you just, you know, you don't stop tomorrow. I mean, I, I think the the I'll call it the older days of people officially retiring and doing nothing for the next 20 or 30 years. I don't think that <laughs> exists anymore. I, I know when my dad retired, he had a plumbing business for 40 years and right. uh, he retired. I don't think he made it three months. And then he, <laughs> then he got into politics. His attitude was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life chasing a little white ball around the field. And so he actually flipped and got into politics and was in, uh, in politics for the next 25 years of his life. And, you know, he never slowed down. And I would imagine a lot of people uh, kind of do that, you know, add the travel and stuff. I, I, I like to travel. It sounds like you're going to be doing some travel, which is which is fun, especially with your clients. Let's it is that- fun. Yeah. 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 Again, it's back to that relationship kind of thing. I agree. Let's go back to, to your business a little bit. What, what's been the biggest challenge when you look at a, a new client, for example? I mean, is it is it an education? Is it a lack of knowledge on their part? I mean, how do you onboard somebody in a sense or find somebody to, you know, to work with them to grow their business? Well, I, I find that it's what we were mentioning earlier. It's it's developing the trust with them and 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 helping educate them. Generally, the clients that we're onboarding are um, really pretty successful, and they're pretty smart, really smart actually, and they've got a lot of advisors that they work with. So, what I find oftentimes is these individuals are open-minded. Uh, to new ideas and and to new thoughts. Uh, what I find is sometimes that the challenge is getting their time. There's always a, a challenge in not enough time for people. So it's it's dedicating the time to get a better understanding in, of what they want and what their goals are and what their dreams are or their wishes are. So that really, from a design standpoint, that we can map out and put a plan in front of them that makes sense for them. So I, I feel that's the, the largest hurdle is uh, being able to access and, and have time for them, for them to make time to make this a priority is what I find is the most challenging. Okay. You know, that makes sense. I mean, we're all busy folks and and it's, you know, it's always manana, right? I, I'll take care of it tomorrow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I have that uh, on my on my wall here, all these things I need to take care of that I just keep shuffling around from day to day. And uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to change that here in 2021. Did you I, see I, a think big... all, I think we all try to change it every year. We've got the list that's a mile and, you know, we try to check off the top three. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. I Growing up or in business, you know, I used the notepad, right? Made my list and tore the pages. And then I went to notebooks and then mm-hmm. I started using like Outlook, uh, the task manager. And then I had this brilliant idea that I would use a digital notebook and I forced myself. And actually that was great because I basically everywhere I went, I had all my clients notes and all my files, not on a computer, but literally a notebook. And COVID kind of killed that usage because I'm just sitting, you know, in the home office now and I'm not going anywhere. So I started going back to the pads. So I I find that how people track those kind of to-do lists is always interesting to me. And whether it's sticky notes on the wall, I got a bunch of those sitting over here on one of my walls. Um, Are you old school paper making lists? Well, it, it's interesting because the yellow pad program, I certainly have one out here. And I recently brought my daughter, who's uh, 30 years old, into my business, and she's technology driven. And so all of a sudden, we've got this thing called Google Docs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she's making list after list after list uh, with task dates and due dates and everything else. And then, of course, we have systems in place for reminders also. But um, I go back and forth and I actually do walk around with, a, you know, a planner book and uh, then you still use the technology also. So I'm transferring over to that world and uh, being more dedicated or mindful of it because um, 
it certainly brings in efficiencies and everyone's looking for efficiencies because of the same thing we talked about. There's only so much time in the day. And the other thing I find is that it frees up your mind to do bigger thinking. If you have that, the programs like that, that you can access so that you can, you know, clear up your mind and think about different things uh, more freely. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's a, it's a challenge, but technology has certainly made it easier, but I find uh, I'm quick to grab the notepad these days while I, I, you know, have all this technology sitting in front of me and, and I, and I have all sorts of uh, tools at my disposal, but sometimes it's just easier to grab the pen and the pad. Right. So I'm trying to transfer the yellow pad information over to my, you know, notes, my electronic notes and it's, it, that's happening. It's going good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really is a relevant to the earlier conversation you're having with your clients about a behavior change, right? The rewiring and that's what we're doing, right? We're rewiring the way we operate and the way we work because we've done things for so long, uh, different ways. Now, before we kind of, before I get into your, your business a little bit, I have your business and my business relies on referrals and, and we do a lot of networking. Now, certainly COVID had a big impact on how we network. So what are, what are some of the networking strategies that, that you use to help grow your business? Well, I'm just so grateful for the relationships I've built up over time. And I've been um, just, uh, I guess when we say networking, I, I look at it as really an advisory position is what I've done over the years is built teams teams of other advisors that I work with, bankers, property casualty, attorneys, CPAs, M&A people, people in the industry that are um, the best possible. In addition to being the best at their game, they're also people that you want to have a relationship with and that you can trust and uh, that you don't have any problem referring over to a client and knowing that they're just going to get like the Nordstrom's touch. So during this um, COVID timeframe, it really hasn't impacted me at all, uh, quite frankly. Clearly, we've done some Zoom meetings and things like that. But from a referral standpoint, these relationships that I've built, these teams that I've been so thankful to develop, and I can't say I've built them, they've just developed. I think the key in my business is, or for me anyway, in my relationships with my clients is if they have a question on anything, whether it's a mortgage, banking, lending, anything, they reach out to me and they say, gosh, you know, I know, you know, a lot of people who can help me with this, or I'm struggling with this, or I'm challenged with that. And I say, gosh, you know, from a marketing standpoint, advertising, you know, call Angelo, he's going to be a great resource for you. And I enjoy doing that. Um, it gives me a, a really good feeling to bring in other people and other uh, professionals into my clients because uh, I know they're going to be taken care of. So I've just continued to do that. And that's been wonderful. From the second side, you know, I hadn't worked on done any Zoom meetings before uh, COVID hit. Yep. And that technology I find is wonderful in that it allows you to uh, actually see people or, tr or talk with people that you might not have been able to um, do as often as before. Um, so I've certainly used Zoom technology for meetings and for also marketing. As you mentioned, we're in Provisors uh, and that's a great organization that's been very, very sound for me. And I've really leaned on a lot of those particular advisors to help my clients also. Um, the, the thing I find with uh, the Zoom is it's not as personal as what I would like it to be. Uh, it's not the same as being face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and having that connection with people, but it is what it is. And, and I think that any time in the history of, you know, the United States, there's changes, and you have to pivot with the changes. And certainly we pivoted this last year um, to technology and to building the relationships and building uh, processes to still accommodate uh, business. So does that, does that help? 
Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. That's great advice and, and great insights. And, um, and, and we just recently actually got together a couple of weeks ago. And so we were able to <laughs> share a bourbon without uh, yeah. doing it on Zoom. So I, I appreciated that, that, uh, like you said, it's the personal touch is way different than, than, I mean, we can build relationships on Zoom, but there's nothing like sitting across the table from somebody. I actually had a lunch with, with someone yesterday that I've, I've only seen on Zoom in the last year and we finally got together mm-hmm. and it was, you know, sat across the table and it was nice to, you know, look and look across and see their facial expressions and their hand gestures. Because right now, you know, I'm looking at you and and while this is audio, I can see you and but I can't see below your shoulders kind of thing. So right. who knows what you're doing? <laughs> There's a, a, a phrase that and it, I think it's relevant to what you just said that I I'm going to I stole from one of my other guests. I install, I borrowed it. And, okay. it was, and, he, and his phrase was build your community and your community will build you. And I love that because that's really what you're talking about is, is you have built the community around you of resources and advisors and, and the types of clients that they've helped build you over the years. I, I agree that with that. It's kind of that build it and they will come uh, attitude of you've got to have something that is valuable and, and, and things happen when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, that's, I love that saying. And, and I told him I was going to use it over and over and over again. I'm going to make a t-shirt by the way. I love that. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, and looking at some of your materials, you talk about kind of this new school of thought and the precision alignment that are really dependent on three pillars. And those pillars are totality, so seeing the total view, longevity, making it sustainable and clarity, making things clear and simple. So I, I want to break those down and, and have you talk about each one of those and how they are important in, in your work. And but more importantly, the value your clients get from that perspective. Well, I, I think that what I found is a lot of uh individuals and business owners have things uh, scattered all over and they have little pieces here, little pieces there. And they don't have like, like we mentioned in our conversation before a general contractor to put all the pieces together. Mm -hmm. And then also a design team, an architect to really design and map out the right plan, but somebody like a general contractor to um, really manage over the entire team and when I talk about uh, totality, that's what I look at and, and share with my clients is we want to look at the risk situations that you have. We want to look at your business. We want to look at your financial situation. But even more importantly, it's the family situation, the family foundation, the legacy that might be in, 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 in your goal pattern and what you're doing with that. So that's what I look at because there's several different phases that individuals go through. And, you know, when you're first starting in a business, your things are tight and you're not sure if you're going to make it through it. So you're risk adverse and you're just trying to really get by. And then as you build systems in place and you get more successful, you enter another stage of business. And that stage is really um, the growth stage and you are taking more risk and you might even add lines of business to your business but your children are getting older and you're looking at things and all of a sudden you become into the successful business owner stage. And then you're looking at tax situations and tax adversity and managing taxes. And then finally at the end of the total picture, you're looking at, you know, what is this all about? And it gets back to family and foundation and, and what you want in life and what footprint in life. So we try to look at all of that um, at, at one time to help the, the client uh, understand where they're at and the options they have. And we're able to facilitate that from the, from the start to the end. And that's been part of the joy of my world and, and working with clients when, like I mentioned before, they had nothing and now they've done all right. Okay. The, is there one of those characteristics or those pillars that are more important than the other? Well, I think the, 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 there's totality and there's um, uh, longevity uh, and there's clarity. And I think the clarity one is probably the, the most significant one 
because without clarity, you're not feeling comfortable with where you're at or what you've done and, and the pathway of the future. And believe me, with working with business owners, that pathway changes all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a moving target. But the clarity side is just understanding where you're at and having position or knowledge, I should say, of different options that are available to you. In, in working with business owners, they're really sharp people. They run businesses. And um, if they can have clarity, they can make great decisions on their own. They just need to be informed. Do you get, um, and I mean, the way you just described it, I, I, you're really obviously an advisor, but do you step into the business role and, and work with, you know, I'm the CEO of a company and, you know, you're looking at my exit strategies and all those. Do you actually get involved in the business side and helping business owners add that clarity to where their business is at, whether it's growing or whether they need to pivot or whether they need to scale in order to generate more revenue for their exit. I mean, do you, do you actually step across that line and and work with them on that? Um, I can't say I step across the line, but I certainly have insights on what I've seen other business owners do. Uh, It's kind of, sometimes they have that glass window or glass ceiling above them. And I've seen so many clients have that. And I feel my role is to then uh, address it with the client and say, gosh, you're not the only one that has this, this feeling. You can't break that glass ceiling and go through it. So when I say, when you ask me if I step inside that or step over that, I, I do in one aspect because I'll bring other advisors in that can help that client get through that glass ceiling. And sometimes they, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes a little bit of other advisors and a little uh, assistance to say, gosh, you, you can do this. And here's how individuals have done it in the past. And, and it really, is, it's exciting to see clients do that and go to that next level. Yeah. Well, you're bringing a broad perspective and, and similar in my business, it isn't just, I do one thing and one thing only. I've worked with literally semiconductor manufacturers all the way to ice cream parlors. And so right. they seem very dis- diverse, but the reality is there's similar challenges. I mean, businesses have similar challenges in growth, whether it's knowing your customer or understanding your competition. And, and it's that skill set that for me that says it doesn't matter what industry, I have the skill set to understand how to get that information. And, and, and similar with you, you're bringing that broad perspective of different business owners and businesses that you've dealt with. And, and they, they benefit, your, your clients benefit from that perspective, as I believe mine do as well. I think you're right on target. I think that your experience has been the same as business is a business and they have a financial statement and they have um, a fact pattern and, and that's, that's the way it is. And, and then it's the relationships and the personalities inside of there and how they run it. So right. very observant. The um, you mentioned before I go to my next question, you mentioned uh, the, the dreaded word tax. So mm-hmm. how, at what stage or how involved are you in kind of the, the tax side of managing, you know, minimizing, we don't want to manage a tax, we want to minimize the, the tax um, hit, if you will. So are, is that part of a, a big part of your business? It's a really big part. And, you know, I, I use the word tax adverse and clearly the clients are paying tax. But as they grow and in order to grow, it's important for them to take uh, to utilize the tools that are out there to help business owners grow. Uh, Things like research and development credits, things like accelerated depreciation for buying a business or a building. These are things that I've been through personally, in addition to having many clients that have gone through them. Uh, right now, there's a situation that if you go and, you know, with the CARES Act, there's opportunity out there for individuals that want to buy a building right now. There's special incentives. So um, I try to keep uh, or I do keep abreast of all my advisory groups and certainly uh, bring that to to the clients because um, this year alone, uh, you know, there was some there's an estate tax um, unified credit that might get changed. There's Prop 19. These are all things that 
are critical for these business owners to be able to continue their business to a second generation. And some of my clients are third generation already. And they're like, hey, I've got my kids and my grandkids in there. And and more importantly, um, we've got, you know, 100 employees that are my best friends also. So they want to continue, not just the legacy, but they want to continue the business so that they can employ people. So all of those things uh, come into play in my practice. And it's a moving target that, you know, you've really got to stay on top of. Mm -hmm. It can be a game changer. You know, you mentioned, you know, there's obviously you're selling your business outright. You know, you're dealing with employees. And if you sell your business outright, ultimately, you you don't have control on what happens after that. I mean, you might have a, a little influence depending on the contract that you have. Do you get involved in in ESOP programs at all? Because I know that's a, a kind of a growing strategy that more and more businesses are considering and as a way to make sure the employees are taken care of, but more importantly, also to shore, uh, shore up a legacy. Um, we have. I've had several clients that have uh, executed ESOPs and, and they work quite well. And I've seen them presented many times. And I think they're a very, very valuable tool for the right type of, of, of client. And that gets kind of back to what we talked about earlier in terms of uh, clarity, in terms of providing uh, options for, for business owners. Um, when we go out and talk with the clients about that, we talk about ESOPs, we talk about transfer within we talk about transfer to family. We talk about uh, selling outright. And, and again, um, these business owners are pretty sharp. They just need to get good information in front of them and they can make their decisions. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, that over the years in talking about, you know, exit planning and it isn't something you start today and, and sell your business tomorrow. I mean, it, it's a long-term thing. In my situation, when I sold my business, it literally happened very quickly. It was not something we were planning on. We had uh, a strategic partner that we were working with. And one day, a big agency up in Los Angeles showed up and said, I want to buy you and buy your your partners. And we want to do it quickly. And I think the whole thing was less than a month. And wow. uh, yeah, it happened really fast. Is I, I wasn't prepared. I hadn't been planning on it. In my mind, it was like, who's going to buy this? But but it, they did, and and it was an interesting journey to go through that, and you know, getting all the all of a sudden, I needed all these resources and advisors to to help me figure it out because I had no idea what I was doing. I knew how to grow it, but I didn't know how to sell it. Um, and that actually ended up being a, a real good deal. They we had a, a two year contract in that, so they formed a new firm mm -hmm. here in Irvine and and gave us a two year contract each, and but we went eight years. Um, right into the recession in, in mm. 2008 and nine, when they decided to move us uh, to the corporate headquarters and, and many of us said, no, thank you. And, mm. and, and that was the end of that, but it was, uh, it was a great experience. And um, uh, so, yeah, but so if I was working with you, I might've been planning for the, for the 13 years that I had that business Um and maybe had a better deal out of it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, um, when those things come in fast and hard like that, you got to just circle the wagons and, and get the team together and, and do the best you can. And it sounds like it was a pretty good experience. Um, you didn't have any control over the economy, unfortunately. Yeah. It, yeah. And that's in that particular case. I mean, it, it, that, that's another podcast in itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh it was, it's it actually was a great experience. Actually, that would be a good podcast. Maybe I'll tell that story. Um, you mentioned it, in your literature that I was reading, and maybe it was on your website, you, you have kind of this holistic approach to wealth strategies. And, and, and I believe you have kind of these six steps or six areas that you like to talk about. So can you like highlight those and, and maybe talk about what those are? Well, I, I think it's, uh, kind of in that same pathway that we talked about before in terms of the holistic view is really taking into perspective what's important to the client. And I think listening um, and opening up that 
language and opening up that caring side of saying, we understand your business and we'd like to learn more about it. And understanding the client is the biggest thing to make sure that whatever their vision is and whatever their goals are, that we try to design something towards that. And I think I mentioned this a little bit before, it's about you know the family and, and, and what's important to them. And then the steps from there start with just gathering information, making sure that we understand where you're at and having that clarity to, to know where we are from a baseline standpoint. Sometimes clients, um, when they're thinking about selling their business, they think they have to have a particular number because um, that's what Joe down the street got. And they're gonna be at the Christmas party with them and they've gotta have that discussion that we got this, you got that, what's going on with that. And what I find is if you look at things from a more holistic standpoint, um, you can, we can show them that they don't need that number and, and they can live without that bigger number and maybe even the, the possibility of getting that number you might miss. You might not get that number and you might miss an opportunity. So sometimes less is more. And from the holistic standpoint, if you can be in a position where your goals, where your values are accommodated and you can do the things that you want to do, that says a lot. Because as we said before, time, how much time do we have? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Want to spend your time and your time with. Because at the snap of a finger, time marches on and we're past another year and another year and another year. So the holistic approach is really helping that client. Um, similar to what you went through, is you had a fast pace going there and that's wonderful. But some of these clients, in order to do a proper exit of their business, uh, it takes more time because sometimes their financials aren't exactly in good order. Sometimes they need to build an executive team in place to help facilitate some of the heavy lifting in the organization. Or the client needs to take a different role in the organization. Those things don't happen, you know, in a month. Those happen over time. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, when we're looking at that from a holistic standpoint, we try to look at all those things and then also um, map it out for them. I, 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 I share with clients, I say there's two things that you have to have. One is mentally ready to be able to rewire. And the second one is financial readiness. The financial readiness is really easily to determine, but the mental readiness, um, sometimes that's a real struggle. Um, because it's the client's baby and they Mm -hmm. baby and they're attached to it. So those are the things that I find from that holistic standpoint to, to really understand for the clients. Yeah. You know, it's funny you said that. I mean, I, and I see that, you know, an entrepreneur that's growing a business. I mean, you're right. It is their baby. I mean, I know with, with me after the the deal took place and they put us into a, a new organization and, you know, we, we had the resources of, I mean, frankly, the people that bought us were a billion dollar advertising agency. Mm. So, so we were now, you know, a, a small boutique firm with a big, carrying a big stick because we had all these resources. But right. those early days, some of, some of the, the partners were you know, static. I mean, this was the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I remember in those first few months sitting in the office going, what the hell did I do? Because <laughs> you know, now I, I could make the decisions, but I now I had to, you know, report to somebody, right. you know, the num- weekly, the monthly numbers and in the management, all the things that I didn't necessarily have because I was the owner. Um, that took a little little transition for me, I think, more than other people. Well, well, change is hard, and it sounds like you got through it great. Uh, I know that you can pivot well, um, but that's the same thing if, uh, that I find with my business owner. If they're uh, managing every um, piece of their business and then they have somebody doubting them or saying, hey, gosh, this is the way we're going to do it from here on out, that's a little challenging. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you can – so, you know, I'm a storyteller, and, and I like stories – is there a story you can kind of give without giving the names to talk about, you know, a, an example of a, a an exit or a, some kind of 
one of your programs that, you know, puts things in perspective? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, so, you know, you don't get a start at top when you get into the business and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to admit it that I was a cold caller when I started in the business. <laughs> I'd smile and dial and I'd call business owners and say, gosh, I need to get together with you. And 25 plus years ago, that's, that's what we did. And I had the good fortune to meet uh, an individual. And this individual was um, originally from a, a different country. And, um, and he started a business and I went out there and it was him and one other individual in his company and they're manufacturing some, some plastics and, and, you know, we struck up a conversation and did some initial planning. So flash forward, you know, 25, 30 years later, that individual has now grown the business. Uh, he's got several operations. Um, he has a presence in China and he's very well recognized in his industry and, and just a phenomenal person. And as we grew with that client over this time frame, we assisted with putting, you know, executive compensation plans into place, estate planning tools, and building a team around him. So we went through all those questions that you asked earlier about, hey, what's the right plan? Is it sell outright? Is it an ESOP? Is it transfer to the children? What are we going to do? And, and through time, we start gathering the information, sharing the information, and through time and through rewiring, because this individual didn't want to retire, um, we're able to set plans in place to transition to family members and set up processes and programs to do that and entities to make sure that this business can su succeed. So it's so joyful when you see that go full circle. And the other thing is, like I mentioned to you before, it's, it's they're successful, but they recognize that they're successful because of the key employees and the, all the employees in their business. And it's more than just having a business. It's for them having that ability to create jobs and to create jobs that provide homes for employees and it's a wonderful experience to see that it's just really good and you know could they retire of course they could but they're choosing not to they're active in the business and their children are acting in the active in the business and they're helping to guide them and it's just a beautiful thing to to unfold and i'm just grateful to have had that opportunity to to meet these individuals and, and, and share my experiences and share their life with them. It's been just fantastic. Yeah. I, you know, it is so important. I, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, just cause you got a great product and services, frankly, doesn't mean crap. It's about the people that help you assemble those or build those and get them out into the market. And, and you need to pay attention of how, how those people helped you get to where you are and they should be rewarded for that. I, I know uh, as you're talking, I had a memory flash here. One of the things that that was really a highlight and, and, and a kind of an emotional thing for me is after we sold and stuff, we um, had a party, but it wasn't a party just for my employees. I actually invited all of the people that I had worked with, whether they were mm. printers or uh, photographers, people that I was right. close to that, that I believed helped us get there over the years and we threw a just a massive it was a big dinner actually and uh and it was great i mean it was they were everybody was so appreciative we handed out gifts and all that and, and you know as thank yous that this wasn't an end of a chapter but now a beginning of a new chapter because a lot of those people came and continue to work with us but i remember the feeling that um that we had and, and my wife was my partner in the firm and so that both of us got by being able to kind of celebrate uh, the, the success we just had, but it was really because of them. Well, it, it, what, what I find is interesting is everybody always talks about their success, success stories and, you know, oh gosh, we've done, gone from here to here. Individuals and business owners tend to forget the, the sorrow. They 
tend to forget the trap doors they fell in. They tend to forget, you know, when economic recessions happened and they pivot towards the good side of things because that's what makes them uh, last and, and mm-hmm. you on. But the thing you just mentioned when you had your vendors in there and the people that you worked with and that, you know, you had this party, they were there because they saw you go through the tough times. They saw you when you were struggling. It wasn't always good times for anybody. Exactly. Always tough times. And you mentioned what keeps you up at night, you know, what, and the business owners and myself, we're always thinking about everything. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to just pinpoint it because your mind is just going back and forth going, Oh, did I do this? What, did, what did I, how can I help this? How can I pivot to this? So, uh, I, I think it's important for part of this podcast to recognize that these entrepreneurs, these business owners that, that I've been fortunate to work with, um, it struggles, man. It, it's not always easy. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work for these individuals. And, and sometimes they're not so successful. We have that also. We have situations where Basically, they, they're an employee themselves. They're just paying themselves a salary. And uh, my firm, we try to help them in understanding that, you know, you know, compensation is important for that holistic view of making sure you're okay on the backside too. So sometimes we uh, help them to take a few chips off the table so that they have their financial security also because they forget about that. They think, oh, I'm going to sell the business. And sometimes you can't sell the business. And yeah. Uh, you need to be positioned for that. Uh, it's funny. Um, you know, they, for, I think as someone who's a serial entrepreneur, they, sometimes they have successes <laughs> and sometimes they don't. I right. mean, my, my first business was at the age of 22, mm. uh, in and out in, in eight months. <laughs> mm. Um, uh, my partners, which was my first experience with partners were about 25 years older than me. Right. And uh, they convinced me that we could do this business. And I was the money guy, invested all the money that I that my parents had given me to kind of start in life. And uh, we had a bad strategy. Uh, <clears throat> we, we did good work, but the strategy was not good. It was it was a pro- film production company. And there and the strategy they convinced me it was we could bring Hollywood to Orange County. Oh, wow. And do all the filming down here. You know, I was a wet behind the ears and bright eyed and, you know, nobody was going to stop me. Uh, so it was an interesting journey to have the business take off and eight months later, see it fail and close. Mm. So uh, the best education I, I think I ever had. And I had a few what I call road litter or, or dead bodies along the side of the road on my journey to, to having a success. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is a journey. It really is. Well, I think uh, what you mentioned there was it, it was an education and you're able to rebound and pivot from that. I, I too, have had some partners in the past and uh, experiences, and it, it was very much a learning uh, situation because, um, you know, you, you don't always know what you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you try to you try to do the best you can. And, and what I find is communication is really important. And then. Um, having trust relationships to, to help you through those things. Yeah, well, fantastic. Uh, one last question as we kind of wind down here. What inspires you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, I, I'll tell you what inspires me is um, a couple things. One, my family, my children, they inspire me. I've got fantastic children, and, and that too has always has some challenges with it but they inspire me and, and, and get me a little bounce in the morning to get up and get things going. Um, the second thing that inspires me is, is really being able to help my clients with, um, and we talked about this before a little bit, is getting them, uh, helping them, I should say, not getting them, but helping them be aware of, of those trap doors, of, of how important it is to build a team around them uh, of, of people and advisors, such as the CPAs, the state planning people, the risk management people, marketing, all of those things is being a resource. I love that. I love 
being a resource for my client. That if I don't have the answer, then, and I often don't, uh, and I recognize that, then I can say, gosh, you know what? Talk to Angelo. He's the guy that you can help have help you with marketing. And that's what really uh, moves me. It makes me feel great bring in um, a team of people or to assist in that in that relationship building. I mean, that's it. Relationships uh, is what moves my needle. All right. Well, cool. This has been a really fun uh, and educational conversation. And uh, I enjoyed uh, hearing all the different aspects and I'm sure my listeners did as well. So how can they reach you and what's your contact information, your website, your LinkedIn, all that good stuff? Well, uh, if you just Google uh, Sage Financial Innovations, uh, we're in San Clemente, California, and all that contact information will come up. Uh, Perfect. Well, Scott, I really appreciate your time today, and thank you for joining me here at the Business Growth Cafe. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Angelo, I, I appreciate your time, and thank you again for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you around. Okay, thanks, Angelo. Have a great day. Uh, You too. My company, The Ponzi Group, provides consulting, interim, and fractional marketing and leadership services with a focus on the strategic and analytical side of marketing. We take a holistic approach to driving business growth. Consider us your marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, the competition, and the marketplace to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. And, much like a general contractor, we partner with internal teams or carefully selected vetted individuals and organizations to execute the strategies and plans, as well as provide oversight and management to ensure we stay on brand and plan. To learn more about our services, visit theponzagroup.com. Thank you again for joining us at the cafe today. Please subscribe to the show. And if you're already a subscriber, I encourage you to let others know about the show so they can benefit from the great content like you heard today. You can go to the businessgrowthcafe.com or subscribe on any podcast platform you like to listen to. And don't forget to join me here next week at the Business Growth Cafe. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.